Can we invent a magnet that attracts luck? Are trampolines technically anti-gravity machines? All of these questions you can find the answer to on this Paranormal Live! Hello everyone and welcome to This Paranormal Life, hey. the comedy paranormal podcast where every week myself, Rory Powers, and the gentleman sitting across from me, Kit Greer Mulvena, <laughs> investigate a brand new paranormal tale, case, claim, or beast and come to a conclusion as to whether or not it truly is... Paranormal. paranormal thanks for calling me a gentleman finally getting the respect i deserve I, you know it's i haven't seen you in a while i feel like it's been a little while i just got back to northern ireland four hours ago and we've hopped straight into the studio i like this no no f***ing about no friendship no pleasantries I just opened the door, shoved a microphone into your hand yeah. and said, shut it, except don't. When I hit record, don't shut it. Obviously talk. I said, it's actually really good to see you again because my mom is ill. That's the I said, reason save I'm- it for the podcast. <laughs> save right, it, know, brother. She's just not well. Oh, okay, okay, but oh, this is gold. This is gold. It's not so gold. Save it's, it for it's really, it's bronze or tin. It truly is. It's not a good thing. The news is not golden. <laughs> no. Um, well, w- one thing that I wanted to make sure of was that I, I was high energy for today's podcast. Oh. I feel like maybe in the few recent episodes, you know, we've done some after live shows, we've done some back to back, and I haven't okay. been bringing that raw Rory Powers energy to the right, podcast. The raw Rory Powers energy, yeah. So I'm chugging a monster right now. Sure. I had about three hours sleep last night because I had to get the red eye uh, over to Belfast City Airport. Shouldn't be a red eye. It's a one-hour flight. So, so I had... got here at 1 p.m. So. I think we both know I don't know what a red eye flight means. So <laughs> That's I... where you smoke weed <laughs> and fly from Glasgow to Manchester, I think. Uh, no, I've had um, three coffees today and this is my, uh, my first many. energy drink. And I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Let me tell you, I'm excited to dive into some ah, some paranormal stories. Okay, well, can the energy for a second because I'm a gentleman. You know, there's been a lot of royal coverage, obviously, with the sad news in the UK. So, um, and I've been feeling inspired by the royal family myself. Have into you? Being a bit more gentlemanly, a bit more, as you can see, Rory, I'm wearing a collar. Yeah. Um, when the last time you saw me wearing a collar was? I didn't want to bring it up, but it's not really a... And the pocket watch? What do you think? Yeah. <sighs> Is it becoming of me? I don't know what that means. It's, you know, it's a look. It's something, all right? Uh, we're excited to do a podcast. Before I dive in, though, I do want to tell you a funny story about what happened to me at the airport this morning, very briefly. Um, okay. I, as I said, I didn't get in a lot of sleep. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in airports recently, flying around. So I've reached a certain level of just casualness, kind of going through security So I went through security today, put my bag in the little tray, scanned it through, came out the other side and uh, was waiting for my bag, waited a little bit longer, nothing was happening, Mm -hmm. waited for my bag again. Then I look up and see my bag has basically lodged itself like that boat in the Suez Canal. (laughs) It's jammed sideways. So so that it is now obstructing the entire line of other bags. Which... uh, automatically sets off a terrorist detector. The staff at London City Airport began unloading 9mm pistols into your backpack. Brother, if the terrorist alarm wasn't going off already, it was about to with the dumb shit that I pulled. I forgot where I was and what I was doing. 
So I I stood on a chair and leant over the plexiglass <laughs> and pulled my bag basically. What are you doing? Ba- I don't know what the f- I was thinking. Basically pulled my bag from the it needs to be searched area to the everything's fine area. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I have no idea. How are you alive? But it was one of those moments where like I was kind of an autopilot and then <gasps> All it took was a woman to just be like, Hey! Sir! (laughs) Full full LAX TSA vibes. Sir! Sir! Like, hand hovering on the the holstered (laughs) gun. And, like, I immediately snap to and realize what I'm doing. Like, it looks like I'm basically trying to steal my bag from, from the security check. Right. At best, steal your own bag. At worst grab a bomb and then the woman started freaking out all the staff kind of like turned on me all of a sudden i'm sweating bullets maybe i am a terrorist and i got fucking manchurian candidate or i'm like the winter soldier or some shit it, it was insane they had to call over the manager who didn't know what to do because quote this had never happened before <laughs> so, so i was stuck at the security line for ages well especially you know not to bring it up again but london city airport is a very gentlemanly airport it is I, i've i've gone through their borderline with backpacks accidentally stuffed full of fireworks pen knives and illegal drugs and um you basically just walk through if the alarm goes off, you just doth your cap yeah. and they say, good day, sir, and hand you your bag and they, they don't search it or anything. So the the high bar is there um, to really piss off the security. It's true. You don't need to scan a boarding pass to get on the flight. You just use a man's word. Right. It's kind of a gentlemanly agreement. It's like, do you have a ticket? I do, sir. All right, on you, Very on well, you go. Very well, be on your way. Yeah, so I definitely was sticking out like a sore thumb as this insane man-child trying to grab his Lightning McQueen suitcase <laughs> from the security rack. Well, I'm glad to see that you lived to tell the tale, Rory, after that frankly insane stunt. It's true. You know, when alarms start going off when I'm in the airport, welcome to the life of a paranormal investigator, yeah. bud. We, we get heckled, we get chased out of countries. I, I've got so many passports, they're like f-ing Pokemon cards to me. We both have those Jason Bourne suitcases with every currency, uh, every passport, and every type of McDonald's cheeseburger available in the world. Yeah, our trench coats aren't exactly metal detector friendly. <laughs> um, so, traveling, they're made of metal. <laughs> they are made of it's lead, of course. Metal. <laughs> a vampire tries to sink its gnashers into you. You're going to need a metal trench coat. Um, but hey, look, that's enough silly chat at the start of the podcast. I made it here. I'm excited. I'm at full energy. And I'm ready to dive into an incredible paranormal tale. Let's see it, Rory. Kit, hold on to your nuts, because you're about to bust bust some. Don't, don't talk to that. a gentleman that way, all right? <laughs> I didn't think through that sentence before I started <laughs> you're it. You're so tired. Um, all right, let, let's dive in. Let's dive in. <clears throat> Today's episode takes place in West Wales, specifically in Broadhaven, Pembroke on the country's southwest tip. The year was 1977, on the 4th of February. And like most Februaries, it was wet, gray, and rainy. That does sound like Wales. Um, I'm imagining that this is one of those places that despite the, frankly, rockin' year, where 70s, yeah, places like London and New York, you know, lead, Zeppelin, f***ing 
Jimi Hendrix shredding on guitars on every street corner. Um, this is one of those places that the 70s didn't reach. <laughs> right. Still black and yeah. white photos. <laughs> Still children running along playing poo sticks in the street. Down in the town, the pupils of Broadhaven Primary School were sitting at their desks, patiently waiting for playtime. For our American friends, that's called recess. Now, regarding our test on triangles, most of you also got question three wrong, too. The answer was isosceles triangle, or as many of you wrote, screw you. All right, all right, head out for break, but then we're getting right back to triangles. Despite the drizzle, the children scurried outside to play. As I said at the start of this episode, the year was 1977. These kids are playing old school games. Okay. Marbles, hopscotch, punch the nerd, piggy in the middle, kick the nerd. Murder the nerd. <laughs> One large group of boys were playing football in the rain at the edge of the playground, sliding about in the mud. But soon, their carefree laughter faded. One of the boys spotted something strange. There was something beyond the walls of the school. Several students had stopped in their tracks to see what it was. Behind a large patch of trees and shrubs, there was an object tucked away behind the vegetation. Not paranormal yet! Could be a horse or a very large donkey. On top of the object was strange pulsing lights. Okay, it's not a horse or a donkey, I don't think. Could be a police donkey. We don't know, some sort of siren on top. Why do I think it's gonna be something paranormal? Ladies and gentlemen, this was not a donkey. It was a textbook UFO oh, that shit. we're dealing with here. That's right, we're not f***ing about the start of this story to say, oh, we saw a little object in the woods and it, oh, it might have been this or it might have been that. Uh, <laughs> E-aw, bitch. <laughs> this thing is a donkey-shaped cigar from Mars. Now, this isn't the first time where we've had a story where kids at school encounter a UFO. No way. And unfortunately, like a lot of those other stories we investigated, this craft is just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense, honestly, that kids see UFOs with this frequency because us adults, we're, we're too busy living the rat race. Heads down. Yeah. DJ Tiesto pumping in our eardrums to frankly give us the energy to get through a work day. Whereas kids, they got nothing on. They're looking up at the sky. Also, if you're an, uh, a being from another galaxy and you're like, I'm going to go check out these humans. Go for the little young ones, like the little baby ones that can't hurt us yet. You know? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so you think they're just being tactical? Yeah. If I was hypothetically in a zoo at night, and I had to, slash, wanted to, fight a monkey. <laughs> would I go for the gorillas? No. I would go for the small baby monkeys and throw them about like a ragdoll. Right. You're a bad person and you shouldn't. <laughs> the children all gathered to see what was happening in the forest. Look, what's that beside the craft? The children gathered round to stare at an enormously tall figure standing beside the UFO. This is moving very quickly. Like, the kids have accepted it's a craft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've moved past that. They've We're gone on board that. with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, things are moving quick. <laughs> the craft isn't so weird anymore because there's a nine-foot f***ing lizard man standing beside it. The figure was dressed in a silver spacesuit 
and it just stood there, watching the kids from a distance. All right, I'm keeping an eye on this guy. There is a chance that we are witnessing the arrival of mankind's greatest fear, some sort of intergalactic nonce. I didn't want to say, but... Space pedo. I'm glad that you suggested they would come for the children merely because they're easier to pick on. Yes. And not because they're pedos. It's true, yeah. The fact that that never jumped to my mind is a good sign. <laughs> now, these kids are smart. They know all about stranger danger. Okay. And it doesn't get much stranger than sure. this. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. So they ran inside, desperately searching the halls, trying to find any teacher that would listen. And of course, the teachers didn't listen. Because as we've said many times on the podcast before, children are liars. Liars and cheats. I'd say that I could trust them as far as I can throw them, but some of the little ones you can throw pretty far. That's why children aren't allowed into casinos, by the way, because they're little cheaters. Little cheaters and liars, and they can't handle their drink. <laughs> the teachers didn't believe a word they were saying. What's all this nonsense? Spacemen? Flying saucers? If you wanted to come in from the rain and learn more about triangles, you should have just said. They don't. They don't. do not want to just learn about triangles. They just had a earth-shattering discovery. The children kept trying to argue that they were telling the truth, but it was no good. Not a single teacher believed their claims. On the other hand, though, all of the kids believed the story. It was spreading across the school like wildfire. One kid... David Davis decided that he would go out and investigate himself as soon as school was done. So when the final bell rang, he bolted out towards the woods to see if the other kids were telling the truth. As he headed towards the trees, there was a sudden movement that stopped him dead in his tracks. Right there in front of him was a metallic silver object. It was Predator. <laughs> he turned off his... <laughs> a cloak of invisibility and strung up per David Davis on a tree. Turns out human spines, they all look the same. So that's why they went for the kids. Isn't that what Predator wants? Spines or mm. head skulls and spines? Yeah, something like that. This object was as long as a bus, maybe bigger. But instead of sitting there on the ground, it was now flying in the air. It hovered, humming loudly. It seemed as if it was trying to climb higher in altitude, but was somehow stalling in midair. Bad teachers. To blindly assume that the children are lying when there is a Boeing 747 shaped like a donkey humming with a jet engine uh, in the playground. How do these children, not, how is there not one teacher who's supposed to look over the kids outside and saw this thing? Look, this could be a, a classic case of boy who cried wolf. Okay. Uh, we don't know these kids and the relationship they have with the teachers. Maybe yesterday they said there was a ghost in the halls. Maybe the day <laughs> yeah. before that they said they saw Bigfoot in the playground. Yeah, David Davis has been crying wolf about space nonces for about <laughs> six months. <laughs> and teacher, teacher, <laughs> there's a pedo from the moon. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's just the caretaker. Get back to class. <laughs> His name's William. Leave him alone. <laughs> He's just very pale. Eventually, the craft gave up, dipping down behind the tree line and disappearing. David is probably standing there now like, great, didn't need to see that. My life's now. I am obviously not going to be a normal human being. Uh, that was a huge mistake. So he went straight home to think about what he saw. <laughs> 
so sobering. He just he went straight home and made himself a stiff drink from his dad's drink cabinet. <laughs> As he walked home, he passed a group of his friends who were all planning on heading out to the woods to hunt for the UFO again. Hey, David, want to come and look for aliens with us? David didn't even stop walking. No, and you shouldn't either. I'm going home. You should do the same. <laughs> he's, he's really getting on like the alien told him that he's going to destroy the earth in three days. Like he knows the truth and no one else does. Yeah. Uh, too much was exposed yeah. to David. <laughs> Expose a weird word. Yeah, we should have said, said it that. wasn't a space nonsense. We did. There's no expo <laughs> exposure of the, the truth of the knowledge of the universe, <laughs> yeah. not the genitals of the beings of the universe. <laughs> Even if there was a buddy there beside you, you, you'd have someone to talk to about it. Okay. That was weird. Did you see that? What what was that? Let's talk about it. Whereas he just saw this by himself. It's the dog and Yeezys. You just can't, you can never bring that up or tell anyone or else your life is now permanently derailed. It's like in the psychedelics world, because these days, you know, we've got like amazing trials out there that are happening where doctors are now giving patients things like LSD to try and cure depression. Yeah. Um, but one of the things they've realized about uh, blasting people with psychedelics is almost the most important step is all the what they call integration that needs to be done afterwards. It turns out that if you just blast someone's brain with LSD, <laughs> you just pop the hood on a UFO and showed them the, <laughs> the alien inner workings of a galactic multidimensional language and then just told them to get back to their regular life. Yeah. Whereas they find that they need to go, okay, you probably saw some pretty nuts stuff over the last 12 hours. Let's talk about it. Let's let's try and make sense of it. Exactly. And I feel like that's what David Davis is missing here. He just saw the three-headed face of God um, appear out of a giant donkey, and he doesn't really know what to do with that information. He's 10. I don't even know if he's ever left Wales before. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing something like this would blow your mind. You're right. He is now a man. He's been transformed in seconds. The other kids were a little bit confused with his reaction, but that didn't stop them. They pushed on towards the site the craft had been spotted, hoping to get some answers. But of course, children have tiny legs, and by the time these kids arrived back at the site, the craft was nowhere to be seen. Probably for the best, because it sounds like just seeing the thing f***ed up David pretty bad. So these kids have at least retained their innocence. They waited for what felt like hours until... Gareth Hughes, what time do you call this? Megan? Gwyneth? Do you know how worried I've been? Their parents arrived and began dragging their kids home, ignoring their claims of flying saucers and strange figures. There's a lot of ignoring children uh, going on in today's story, and I'm not a father myself, mm -hmm. but... I believe that is a large part of raising a child is simply ignoring it for large portions of the day. Right. And, you know, we're not just talking about being bad parents. No. Uh, we, we, we're, we're talking about, like, isn't there that statistic that, you know, toddlers ask on average 9,000 questions a day or something? You can't answer them all. Which are, <laughs> which are mostly why, why, and why. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> the questions are also, why is a space pedo in the back garden? And you simply have to say, shut up and eat your mashed potatoes and get back to studying triangles. It's true. And, you know, I'm getting the feeling that these kids have been asking 9,000 questions a day. But one of the parents decided to hear the children out. 
While all the other parents laughed off their stories, they listened intently. They realized that all of these kids were telling the exact same story, down to the last detail. So they got them to jot down what they saw, sign their names, and it was written up in a report to send to the police. Once the report was successfully handed over to the police, the journey was over. Or was it? <gasps> yes. For now. <laughs> Little did they know oh. that while they slept that night in their cozy little beds, mm. an investigation was already underway. Before long. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I just had a big dramatic build up. So, so I just. It's a weird time do to I have interrupt. time to ask a question? Uh, how long is the question? Very short. No. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. What? Why did you ask me? Why did you ask me then? All right, quickly, 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 go. So, is the investigation up, being right. done by? Yep, 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 yep. This I'll is a get long to question. The end of the this question. is a long question. Sure, it's not yep. a long question. <laughs> it was already underway, is what I was saying. An investigation. I don't want to ask my question anymore. Because... All right, great. That works out for best for both of us, then, bud. Um, Lost your spot. Yep, I'm confused now. Um... All right, well, if you're going to take that long, I guess what I'll ask the question. So Jesus. is it the police who are conducting the investigation or like because I guess they got the report? So, Well, if you wait a goddamn second, maybe the next line or two delivers the bombshell. All right, sorry. Oh. We, maybe we'll just cut that. Maybe we'll just cut Kit interrupting well, from the podcast. Well, I don't think we should so because your voice is so shot. much more irritated now. It's not. It's not going to make any. It's not. Any, no, it's not going to cut. It's the same as it was it's not before. Cut. <laughs> I'm crying a little, but they can't see. Before long, there was a knock at the door of David Davis's house. <gasps> Hello? Randall Jones Pugh from the British UFO Research Association. Bring me the boy. Has he been drinking? <laughs> Silence! That's just my voice. There's your answer. The investigation was started by Randall Jones Pugh from the British UFO Research Association, also known as Bufora. That's not a bad acronym. But how did he find out? I thought this report went to the police. Are you saying there's a rat on the inside of the police you handing things to the UFO investigators? You don't think Bufora have their hands in many pies? And one of the pies is... The Welsh police? Is the Welsh police. Okay. This goes right to the top, all right? A, a motherfucker called Randall, he's got mics hidden all over the town. Yeah, in the British version of Recess, aka Playtime, <laughs> they did not change Randall's name. I was trying to think Randall knocked on the door and everyone was like, it's the space pedo. No, you misunderstand. <laughs> I'm here to catch the pervert. <laughs> Take him away. No! <laughs> this is just my silver shoot. Before I got wind of the story and decided to come investigate in person. They struck an agreement that David would take Randall to the spot that he'd seen the UFO. And it wasn't long before they were standing back out in the field, this time as close to the spot as possible. <laughs> they struck an agreement. He offered him a bag of Haribo in exchange <laughs> for taking him to the site. Stranger danger there, Davis. <laughs> Take your parents along with you. Yeah. <laughs> Davis, here's some Haribo. Now get in my UFO van. <laughs> it's 3 a.m., sir. That's clearly just a Winnebago. <laughs> it turns out that getting as close to the spot as possible wasn't really that close. The exact site where the craft was seen was actually behind a large fence near a rapidly flowing stream. But even more disappointingly, even from a distance... 
Randall could see there was f all evidence. Oh no. I mean, not too far away from the site, there was a telegraph pole that had been damaged. Okay. But there were no marks on the ground or burnt treetops or anything else you would expect to see on the site of a UFO landing. Right, if a 30-foot cigar from space landed. Yeah. Despite Randall's disappointing investigation, the story of the Broadhaven UFO was only getting more and more buzz. Every kid at Broadhaven Primary School was still talking about the spaceman. The headmaster, Mr. Gotta try my best to pronounce this uh, name with an authentic Welsh pronunciation. Please don't. Please don't. Mr. <laughs> I'm scared now. Just walk away. You don't, <sighs> have, you don't have to do this. It's, it's like a... <sighs> no, it's you have not. To get a... No, All right. not. The headmaster, Mr. Llewellyn... I'm sorry, Gav. Mr. Llewellyn decided the best thing he Stop could do... Stop saying it for sure. Saying what? He decided the best thing that he could do was put an end to all of this. He got every witness to write out exactly what they saw and draw a picture of it and sign their name underneath. He accidentally created the evidence of a lifetime for the greatest UFO sighting of the 20th century. <laughs> now, these kids were purposely kept separate so they couldn't collaborate on their stories. So, Kit, why don't we run through what all these little bastards wrote down? Then we can take a look at the insane pictures that they drew. Okay, I like this. This is a really interesting way of gathering evidence for a case. First account, Jeremy Passmore, age nine. I saw the UFO when it was dinner time. It was a silvery green and it had a red colored light. It was a disc at the bottom and a sort of dome at the top. It was about 300 yards away. It moved a minute and then it disappeared. It did have a noise, but I didn't hear it. That nonsense. We felt very scared. David George wanted someone to go to the toilet with him. Tudor Jones was nearly crying because he was scared he was going to get disintegrated or something. <laughs> Some of our school did not believe us. <laughs> that kid needs therapy. There was nothing to indicate they were going to be disintegrated. Why I was don't he know, so dude. If you watch enough sci-fi movies, the disintegration usually follows the spaceship landing on Earth. Fair. We tried to make the adults believe us, but they would not. When probed further, Jeremy stated that... They the probed him! No! <laughs> <laughs> when probed it's verbally like, further it's like it made a couple noises uh, it was about 300 yards away did I mention they probed me <laughs> did I mention I was on the alien surgical table the probing lasted what felt like a lifetime I can't tell if it was because of some sort of sci-fi technology or just emotional scarring <laughs> Sure, it felt like eternity hard cut to the principal reading all these harrowing reports he's like you know what Kids take the rest of the day off. <laughs> I was going to show this to the police, but a lot of this is technically porn that you've drawn. <laughs> so I'm not going to be... I'm going to burn it. I'm going to burn it right here. Uh, Jeremy said the object was on the ground and he saw a person, quote unquote, in a silverish suit about 350 yards away. Next account, Michael Matheson, age 11. Michael said it was a silver and cigar shape with a big dome and a red light flashing on top. Okay. That was it. Some of the similar... Oh. <laughs> he 
He was a bit more blunt. With <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom, so I pretty much left at that point. Anything else? Did Jeremy mention the probing? Okay, no, we've had enough on the probing, everyone. He's like, quick show of hands. Who wrote about probing in their essay? Every child. All right, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Just put them straight in the bin, kids. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a, a cigar shape, very long. Um, and now let's talk about the craft. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jesus. Philip James Rees, age 10. My friends and I asked the headmaster to have a look at the object, but he refused. A couple of my friends saw movement of a figure, but I did not. I was frightened. Tudor Owen Lloyd-Jones, age 10. They reported an object at ground level behind a bush and stated that they saw, quote, a man and admitted to becoming very scared. <laughs> okay. They're 10, all right? So don't laugh too hard at the way they... Talk or use words. No, I'm not laughing because it's like embarrassing. It's just, I'm starting to see common themes throughout these testimonies. David R. George, age nine. All right, can I just guess what David R. George is going to say? Sure. Cigar shape, 300 feet away from the school. Yeah. I, my friends saw a man doing somersaults, but personally, I just saw a bush rustle. <laughs> I was very scared. Uh, he said he saw both the object and the humanoid. Okay. He said the object was huge, silver-colored. It was shining and humming. It looked like a saucer with a point. Okay. He said he saw the occupant who was silver-suited and whose features were not seen apart from odd long ears. Okay. Well, that is new. It is a new twist. Now, those are the the written accounts of the individuals, why don't we look at some of the drawings that these children have done for us? Bearing in mind, they're nine and ten years old, all right? So don't I'm be just, so hey, tense don't, and defensive. Just don't expect I a masterpiece. I understand that it's children. Don't expect, exactly, it's children. So go easy on them. They're barely, they're like potatoes with hands at that age. Well, so, they're ten, so... Here are the pictures that they drew. All right, I talked a big game about understanding children's uh, artwork and what it looked like. Jesus Christ, this is bad. It's this messy. Is, it's messy, truly, all right? <laughs> I mean, stuff is written here in a mix of all caps, <laughs> lowercase. It's a mess. Okay, I have six images, all the names you just mentioned. Jeremy Passmore, Tudor Owen Jones, Michael Webb, so on and so forth. Now, they've all drawn fairly different images, but I think what we're looking for is common themes amongst them. And sure enough... There's a couple. There's a couple for I sure. I would say four of the six have very similar shaped UFO crafts. Now, mm -hmm. are they similar to, you know, flying saucers of the day? Sure. sure. Yeah. Um, maybe a bit more pyramid-like, but no, I take it back. <laughs> they've got borderline ladders reaching down from the bottom of the craft, a little dome on top, and little lights. I think it's time that we focus on the nine-foot f***ing orc man <laughs> standing beside the craft in many pictures. Well... <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the Green Goblin came down in a spaceship. There seems to be a man whose only defining feature is how big his ears are uh, beside the craft. Now, he's only in two of the images, but in both... 
He has massive f***ing ears. We're not talking like big round Dumbo ears. He has ho devil spikes. Pointy spikes in the side of his head. Now, in one image, the child has just uh, written next to the man, is not good. He's <laughs> 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 not That's everything you need to know, folks. <laughs> like, and is the other things he's labeled are like door, the door on the UFO, a light at the top of the light, and then just the man and is not good. How much of a bad vibe must you be giving off if just your appearance in front of a child spawns the words is not good? I mean, if that kid had known the word nonce, he would have used it. He just didn't <laughs> yeah, have that in yeah. his vocabulary. <laughs> it's like, is not good, bad man, make children cry. I'll give it to you. These are pretty interesting drawings of, sure, UFOs. Now, maybe it's because the stories were a little inconsistent. Maybe it's because the drawings are shit. But most teachers and parents still refused to take the story seriously. It is unfortunate that even if you draw a pedo from space, if you're a child, it's going to look like a cartoon. So people just won't take it seriously. Yeah, because you can't draw photorealistic objects. I'm just looking at some of these drawings again. <laughs> that bottom one is terrible. God bless them though. They're trying their hardest. You know, they got, they've been through something traumatic and, but the only way they can express it is through the hands of a child. Right. They were like, there's teardrops on that paper. <laughs> yeah. They were bawling their eyes out, recounting these horrific tales. But still, when you talk, you're like, I saw something by the woods. <laughs> and you're like, oh, isn't he so cute? And it's like, he wanted my flesh. He asked for my flesh <laughs> and my soul. All right, oh, I'm sure going to forget did, that bit. Sure I'm going to forget little that buddy bit. Russell is here. I can see why most teachers still refused to take this seriously. And most parents did too, except for Michael's dad. When he heard the stories and saw the drawings, he was convinced that his son had seen a UFO. And let me clarify, Michael's dad wasn't a moonshine swigging tinfoil hat wearing crackpot. He was actually an RAF officer and he was about to blow this case wide open. Oh shit. So we're not talking, yeah, dad squad moonshine swigging MF or we're talking a guy who might, he might've even seen something himself. He might've even seen a UFO in his lifetime. <laughs> yeah, he's looking at his kid's doodle of like an upside down umbrella. And he's like, where did you get these blueprints? <laughs> who told you about this? He's going into his kid's room at night, turning the nightlight into his face going, where'd you get these schematics? It's like, that's a Beyblade, dad. But before we blow this case wide open, let's give a quick thanks to today's sponsors. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. We're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. All right, let's get back to our story. As we said, it's time to bust this case wide open. The drawings and the letters that the children had done were sent to the Ministry of Defense and were compiled in a folder alongside other corroborating evidence of the sighting. The front of the file bore a note on a post-it left by RAF Valley in Hollyhead. The note read, We can offer no positive explanation or identification. Now Kit, if you want evidence for this case, this folder is the mother load. One document in the folder was a letter from a branch called the S-4 Wing to the RAF's internal police force that said, I've not even told the minister I'm consulting you. I suggest we make a discreet inquiry. The number of apparently level-headed witnesses to the strange activity is quite frankly bewildering. What is going on? This has escalated in a way I wasn't expecting. Is this just a window unto a more naive time uh, in British history where people were more open-minded about these things? I think what we're finding out here is that basically we've been focusing so far on this story of the children seeing a UFO. We've been looking at that as an isolated incident, mm -hmm. you know, as, as one image on a corkboard. And what we're doing right now is slowly panning out and realizing that that is one incident that happened in this place at this time. And there are dozens more that are all compiled in this folder. Okay. It goes so much deeper than you can even imagine. On the 17th of February that same year, one of the teachers told the British UFO Research Association that she too had noticed something peculiar on the day the children saw the craft. You gotta be more specific than that. The kids drew a man <laughs> with giant ears. You can't say you saw something peculiar. She said she left the school by the east facing side and saw something shining in the sky. She stopped in her tracks as she laid eyes on a large metallic object, oval-shaped, topped with a dome. Jesus Is Christ. that specific enough for you, you oh, son of a bitch? Sure, you, you backloaded that st witness statement. <laughs> if I see that, I'm not leading with, I did see something quite peculiar. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm saying, holy fucking shit, get a load of this. On that very same day, the owners of a local hotel spotted it too. 
Hotel owner Rosa awoke early in the morning and looked outside in her garden to see what she could only describe as a spacecraft. <laughs> it was metal, oval, covered in lights. I appreciate the cut into the chase, Rosa. I really yeah. do. It landed on the ground and she stood frozen in fear as two figures emerged in silver suits. After they'd left, Rosa went out onto the patio to inspect the patch of grass that they had landed on, and sure enough, it had left a small crater in the ground. Also, days later they had some repairmen come and look at their roof, and the repairmen said that there were tiles up there that had been scorched as if they were burned. Interesting. Okay, so cases with a lot more potentially physical evidence than even the kids. Yeah, I think maybe the kids one is great because it has so many witnesses. Again, tiny little liars. Yeah, useless little cheats. But now we're seeing even more testimonies coming from multiple adults. According to Rose's daughter, Francine, the family also had a visit from two smartly dressed men in black suits. Their hair was slicked back and they drove a, quote, futuristic style car. Okay. Well, I mean, we're groaning here because this is so nuts, but, you know, I appreciate not everyone has maybe listened to all 200 plus episodes of this paranormal life, but that's true. This is a textbook paint by numbers, old school UFO story that shortly after you think you saw a UFO, maybe you weren't sure, maybe you're on the fence about what you saw. The way you know it was a UFO is because two smartly dressed, slick back hair guys in a futuristic car show up at your door the next day. Yeah, I think it, maybe in the 1970s, they hadn't really thought that through yet. Right. Is that like the way to confirm all of your suspicions is two fucking seven foot guys with goblin ears show up with jetpacks to your front door and say, you didn't see anything. Right. They thought that was so <laughs> low key. They thought that was so under the radar. Back right. Then. Yeah. When instead they should have just had like a milkman. Right. A postman. Yeah. Who was just like, oh, good to see you, Mr. Susan. Uh, the regular order, semi-skimmed. I don't know what the f milkmen say. Um, <laughs> oh, whole milk this week. Oh, this, very good. <laughs> this is the man in black. <laughs> he didn't think it through at all. So uh, can I get you some, some milk or whatever? <laughs> what do you want, cow? Yes. Good. <laughs> do you have anything else? No. Yeah, yeah, we're still at a time where the MIBs are... are on duty, shutting shit down. So this is a classic man in black sighting. There's also the account of Billy and Pauline who called the police to say that they saw a seven foot tall silver suited being with a black face standing at the window looking into their house. <laughs> All right. What are we saying here? What are we saying here? <laughs> that, the, that, the, that the alien with goblin ears he not good. He stayed. <laughs> he, stayed. he stayed. He not good. He, he just landed like part where like parked his parked his fucking UFO and went for a walk. He saw like oh Sally saw him at the Starbucks queue. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's visiting like a fucking human zoo. He's like peeking into this one. Are they asleep? No, I see one there. Hello. They're having like walkabouts, just roaming around, scaring kids, having fun. And these these men in black have to have to clean up after their mess. So I suppose what I'm getting at is whenever we get this many witnesses, we got two roads, two roads to go down. Yeah. 
are these all golden verifiable sources cross-corroborating the same paranormal sighting or has there been a game of f***ing telephone and everybody's telling each other the same story and suddenly people with nothing better on are claiming that they also saw the, oh, what was he? What did you say? Seven foot? Oh, he was seven foot tall and he yeah. was standing in my doorway. The, the one who was with me was ten foot tall. Oh! <laughs> yeah, trying to like one up each other. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's always worrying when you have a case where your two options are, yes, it was paranormal, or option number two, UFO fever. Yes. <laughs> Which is unfortunately a real thing. People hear stories, gossip starts to spread. All of a sudden, Derek, who's just walking home from the pub one night, thinks seagulls are UFOs. Yeah. Because it's just, it seeps into your subconscious. You start to see it. You start to look for it. That weird creak in the night or shadow underneath the street lamps is now a man in a silver suit exposing himself to children. <laughs> I'm trying not to bring that baggage to this episode, but I have to say these days, you know, we go back to this time period, we have to factor in like just how much UFOs were in pop culture. Yeah. Um, that's a big part of why these stories, I mean, it's the greatest mystery of UFO sightings from this age. Were people seeing flying saucers specifically because they were really all over Earth landing in the middle of playgrounds, or was it because they were also getting shown in a lot of movies at the time? Yeah, a bit of chicken and egg thing, you know? Where did that that iconic mm -hmm. iconography of the, the bug-eyed gray alien come from? Is there some truth to it, or is it simply pop culture? Um, and I mean, that's where today's story kind of breaks free a little bit, because these kids drew pretty much a textbook UFO, but that motherfucker is not from any movie I've seen. Lord of the Rings, maybe? If a f***ing Urukai learned how to fly a DeLorean? But is it that different? I mean, he's a humanoid. But Do he's I got, need to bring he's, the picture back? Is it, but he's just got big ears. Like, take away the big ears. Is anything different about that? Uh, <laughs> you take away the gray? big ears. It is a human. It is a human body. Like, look at that. It's just a, it's just a <laughs> humanoid. Yes. Yeah, you know, hey, I'm a logical guy. I'm not here to say they didn't see a goddamn jellyfish. They didn't see a, a a praying mantis with the face of a human. This was, aside from it being quite tall and in a silver suit, it was pretty much just like a human with crazy ears. And I mean, that actually leads into possible explanations. Some believe that it could have been part of a secret training operation from a nearby RAF base. Granted, that doesn't really make sense if one of the parents who worked in the RAF thought it was a UFO. Exactly. He wouldn't be running it up the chain of command if he thought it was in any way possible to just be a routine operation. Yeah, and we also have the, the note in the files that revealed that the RAF ordered their internal police to do a secret investigation yeah, of it. Yeah, we could pretty much write that one off. <laughs> But apparently also several years ago, a former U.S. Navy sailor came forward to say that the cause of the silver-suited being was in fact a U.S. military personnel wearing their standard, quote, fireproof uniform and that the UFOs were Harrier jets being flown. I mean, this is all possible, though. Uh, you know, we always have to think about military operations, military testing, things that kids might not be seeing every day. But... 
wouldn't the RAF have to be clued in to any military, US military operation? Why is the US military testing fireproof uniforms in Wales and Harrier jets? You kidding me with that one, bud? <laughs> All right, I see what side you're coming down on. I ain't buying it. I ain't buying it to the point where any minute now, I'm pretty sure the goddamn milkman's gonna <laughs> show up and start asking questions. <laughs> And we need to be ready for that. Realistically, those are pretty much the only alternative explanations that have been offered up in today's case. Okay, so bearing those in mind, do you want to tell us what the paranormal explanation is for what happened? The paranormal explanation was the first 50 minutes of this episode. <laughs> it was a spaceman <laughs> sure. from another planet okay. who came down to maybe steal children. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, we don't know if that makes him a pedo on his planet. On our planet, it, it does. does. 100%, yeah. So we have to judge him by that standard. But okay, so an, an alien of some description. Came down in some sort of unidentified craft. I mean, it's we've done a lot of uh, episodes where we've talked about UFO sightings. But this is in the top tier where uh, the creatures essentially exit the craft and have a little walkabout. Yeah, like, I don't remember what the scale of Close Encounters of the Third, Second, First kind are, but this is right up there, where you not only see the craft, but you actually come into essentially contact with the being. And it makes sense, right? We didn't go to the moon and stay in the ship. You want to have a walkabout. If I fly for a thousand years in a cryogenic tube to planet Bing Bong, uh, I'm not going to sit inside the chamber and look outside through a big foggy window. Right. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to, um, I, I don't know what their children look like, but I'll probably push them over just for fun. <laughs> Sla slap, Bad person. Slap some shit around. I don't know what's living and what's alive. I'll probably eat some stuff, snort some stuff. I want to pee uh, in zero gravity somewhere into like you're a you're a bad person I just wanna... you would be christopher columbus of space <laughs> you're like yeah probably just turn up steal a bunch of shit kill a bunch of people slap some shit around <laughs> uh it, i mean it is true like if you travel as you say a thousand light years in a cryogenic chamber we've all seen the movies first thing that happens you touch down you go hey ziri what's the atmosphere like and she goes good news it's the same as your planet, 97% nitrogen, uh, this and that, and oxygen. And then you go, f***ing A. Yes, you want to go out stretch your legs. Uh, like, it's not a given that you would be able to survive there, so... Yeah. I guess you go for a walkabout, like you say. Ship command, are the aliens hot here? <laughs> <laughs> Deploy, robot wingman. <laughs> Deploying. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush here, Kit. Uh, this, is a, this is a crazy story. It's a crazy story, but one that is built upon the backs of many children. <laughs> like the, like the no. great pyramids of old. <laughs> I don't think they were. What are your thoughts on today's episode? The Broadhaven UFO. The Broadhaven UFO. What a case. A case that I yeah, love to hate. I don't know why I just I'm coming at this one um, with a surly uh, attitude of disbelief. Maybe it's because of these kind of textbook uh, UFO traits, these textbook green man walking about in a silver suit um, traits. That being said, at every turn, I'm being tested with more and more evidence, more and more witness sightings, evidence even in the hands of the RAF and UFO investigation 
agencies. So what the hell am I to believe? This thing seems way too stereotypical to be true, and yet we have more evidence than many other UFO cases. What do you think? I mean, you you are completely right. There is something about this story that I don't know why. Maybe it's the lack of evidence, physical evidence, that I know it's 1977, and not everyone has disposable cameras really on hand at that point. Um, but there is something that's so outlandish about these claims that do make it hard to believe. But on the other hand, you know, I mean, it's things like this. It's one thing to just talk about these kids and their drawings and their experience. Look, at the, here is a literal like black and white picture of the children holding up their drawings that was taken. It makes it so much more human when you like realize these kids, they are convinced they went through something and saw something that yeah, day. Yeah, and it's like weird that kids would commit to a bit that much if it wasn't real. Yeah. Uh, Some of these kids do not look happy, by the way. They look really tired. <laughs> they they look like home, they've man. seen a UFO, 100%. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It makes it more human. And, you know, I, I know that there was a lot of uh, throwing facts and parts of the story around crazy towards the end there. But honestly, let's not diminish the fact that it is literally documented on record that the Ministry of Defense and government officials did investigate this because they officially said, we don't know what the f is going on. We need to figure out what the hell this thing is. And yet they did eventually decide, we don't know. Yeah, that was their conclusion. Even if that was one that wasn't public at the time, um, their official stance is, we don't know what it was. Is that enough for us to say that it was something paranormal? Let's find out. Kit? Okay. Why don't we count down? We come down on, on a three. You ready? All right. We're going to need some epic music here, some, some, some uh, drum roll, you know, because this is it, folks. This is the moment that we've been waiting for. This is why you've stuck around to the end of the episode. This is why every week we put ourselves, our reputation, our opinions on the line out there in the world, giving it 110% because the people in these stories need to be represented. The truth will be brought to light. What is in the shadows will be brought today, and we will find out once and for all the dirty little secrets, the dirty little lies. <laughs> that they don't want us to know about. And the stickers and the files and all the documents that's hidden in the shadows, it's up to us to dig into the darkness with clawing hands of blood and dirt and rally, rally the people into an army with lights and torches. And when we oh, it's shine- it's a no! It's a no! Yeah. You I, want an answer, <laughs> you got it. All right? I didn't get to- I didn't get to do the countdown. You can't, we were you, can't, you can't just take a case that doesn't have enough evidence and then just rant like Alex Jones for five minutes. It's a no, all right? So the, What's your answer? Well, it, to get my answer, you know, to dig with clawing hands into the of darkness blood, of dirt. blood and dirt, to, um, to rally together with people and torches to bring truth to, to light. Um, it was going to be a yes, but now I think that... I think that... We're not aligned, you and I, uh, No, in the, this conclusion. Way. And I think we can backtrack a little bit here. If you'd let me finish the rant. <laughs> no, if you'd no, let, we Just can't. let me finish Wait, the don't rant. Don't play the music. Don't play the music. We'll roll it back up again. And whether or not we are alone in this universe or whether or not we are many, it doesn't matter because in each of us, 
is a point, a beacon, a light, the light of all creation that when unified within a single voice, it speaks truth. All right, I'm just going to leave. It speaks truth. All right. Just, just hold on, buddy. No, 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 no. I'm almost done. I'm all almost right. done. I'll rally through we'll the. Come back in five. I'll rally through the last. <laughs> He's gone. He's actually left the room. Uh, I feel like, you know, originally that that I was really um, saying something from the heart. But now I realize now that he's gone, that was actually pretty performative. And without him here, I don't see the point in it. Oh, he's sorry, back. Just, just grabbing a without coffee. Without the truth. God, without the truth. Still going. <laughs> I never stopped, brother. It's from the heart. This is a yes from me. This is wow. a yes from me. Sheesh. This is, if my rant wasn't clear enough, people, I believe that there is something, a spark of paranormal activity here. Maybe we don't have as much evidence as we would usually need in a case to concretely decide it was paranormal. But with the amount of witnesses we have and the government investigation, I think something was going on. I think something yeah, we've, out we've, of this we've world. We've got to confirm something. And that's enough for me to say that it's paranormal. <laughs> uh, well, bravo, brother. Uh, a fantastic investigation into a clearly groundbreaking UFO story and a rare disagreement on this paranormal life, which and the honestly, speech. you probably love to see. And the speech? Uh, it was... And the speech at the end? Is not good. Isn't it so crazy to think that in like 100 years, maybe, or 50 years, or Whatever like you're going to say. <laughs> three years. It's too crazy. That like, when people look back on the great speeches of the world... No. I have I have a dream, for example. Don't. It was a great one. Don't you dare compare yourself, Mr. Gorbachev. Tear down that wall. Another classic line. Not really a speech, but sure. Uh, four score and twenty years ago, you know the 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 Gettysburg Address. You know, it was another good one. Got the line wrong, but sure. And then me, and then Rory, and the speech that rallied the troops up to. Didn't rally to, this. You had to, one troop to rally, and then <laughs> rally me. So. <laughs> it was a good speech. It okay. was a good speech. Okay. I'll give you that. The speech is a yes. Oh, all right. The story, just to be clear, absolutely a no. <laughs> a, a no. The story, a double no. That's right. <laughs> Executive order. Hey, this is rare we get a disagreement on the podcast. And, you know, I did kind of expect it with this story because I think that maybe. I'm just a little bit closer to this one that you are uh, being the, the chief investigator in this case. You have always seen yourself as Welsh, deep down. It's true. It's true. I, I, you know, I studied in Wales. This is a place that's just uh, close to home. So when I see paranormal activity uh, taking place there, I feel like I need to step up and defend the people of Wales. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of This Paranormal Life. That was a meaty one, guys. A big, a big beefcake story. Good Lord. On this week's episode. But goddamn, you know I love a UFO story. They're some of my favorite to investigate. So I hope you guys had a great time listening to it as well. Guys, if you wander uh, late at night into the woods, not near a school, very far away from a school, uh, you may find two other figures roaming and it is kit and it is i in silver spacesuits creating harvesting monkey pelts <laughs> well no one no one said monkey pelts sorry sorry i was gonna talk about our other business that we're working on oh right of which course is, oh shit patreon.com which is if you love the show if you want to get more this paranormal life every week this is the best way to do it 
over on patreon.com for as little as five bucks, the price of a cup of coffee a month, you can get access to a huge amount of bonus episodes, bonus content. Uh, we do an extra episode every Friday called the after party, where we talk about all the behind the scenes of this paranormal life. Also on our lowest tier, you also get every single episode of the show ad free. So cool. And on this week's after party, Rory was divulging all the details of his DUI. Oh, I, I well, I did actually. We know. are going full TMZ on this one. We have yeah. paparazzi photos. We have police mugshots. It's pretty spicy stuff. Well, it is TMZ apparently because I didn't know you were recording any of the conversations we had when I was telling you about it. So, oh yeah, this is juicy. <laughs> so you're gonna want to head on over and check it out. Uh, we actually have CCTV footage as well of me backing up into the swimming pool. So uh, if you do want to see that, head on over to patreon.com forward slash this paranormal life. And also one of the rewards on Patreon is getting your own special shout out at the end of the podcast. And we're going to do that right now. You're right, Rory. Let's give a very special thank you to Logan Kirkendall. Logan doesn't smirk at all. If you try and make this son of a bitch laugh, good luck. Wow. He is made out of stone. You know, I'm delivering my funniest content to him and he's not even not even cracking a grin. Well, that's crazy because I think I said a very simple dad joke the other day, just a pun. And oh. he, his sides were splitting for 30 straight minutes. So maybe he doesn't find me that funny then. It could, it could be that. Yeah, I was shaking him a lot at the time. Shaking him, trying to get him to laugh. So okay, maybe that was- that's not a joke. <laughs> Thank you to Julia Rose Wenger. Nobody knows where Julia Rose goes. Approximately 4.33 every day, Julia disappears. And not like down a back alley. Hmm. She goes. <laughs> She's gone. Right. She appears seconds later with uh, just buckets full right. of crabs. She could be given a goddamn TED talk and she would just gone. Gone. Back again with buckets of crabs. That is... And she's got no memory of where she goes either. I assume it's some sort of crab dimension where they're just giving them away. Who knows? Maybe to just a fish market nearby. But it's a yes for me. I'll tell you how much. I think it's paranormal. Thank you to Ryan Moss. Ryan is like Moss. Green, luscious, nourishing. Green? Clingy as well. He's oh, clingy. I think you just wanted to say he was clingy. How <laughs> is he green? I guess he could be green behind the ears. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. But clingy? Did I mention clingy? You did, like, you don't know. Actually. He doesn't know when to take a hint. Thanks to Austin Hemistad. If it isn't accosting Austin, this guy will just accost you. Anywhere, anytime, for seemingly no reason. Were you shaking him? Can I ask? Can a I just little straight bit. Up I gave him a right, little well, shake, be... and he accosted He's me out of nowhere. <laughs> He's defending himself. Thanks to Sedgwick Lee. Sedgwick is actually Harry Potter's lesser-known isle. You know, Hedwig gets all the uh, headlines, but <laughs> Sedgwick is just a little less useful. Oh, but just scrolls and letters just get lost on the way. Sedgwick just oh, boy. disappears for days at a time. Much less reliable. So Sedgwick didn't really make it into the book is or it a movie. So is it an owl? Is it another owl? It's a raccoon. It is a raccoon. <laughs> okay, that makes Harry sense. Potter's raccoon. Sorry, did I say owl? I meant raccoon. <laughs> um, yeah, it just it takes a long time. Like if you're trying to send a letter to another country, you send a raccoon. Like 
It's he has to get the bus. He just has to yeah, use he's, normal he's basically transport. A human <laughs> for all intents and purposes. Yeah. Send the owl. Thanks to David Wiltshire. Uh, David Wiltshire. He emailed us recently. I didn't really understand. Let's see if you understand anything about this. He said he put in an order for a, a large shipment of monkey pelts, Whoa! which never arrived. No, 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 no. Um, other business, other business. Just for attention of Rory Powers. Yeah. So that's not, that's gone to the wrong email. That's the other business. Okay. That's for Bananas Incorporated, our, our shell company. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Thanks to Bill Fritzler. Billy Fritz's will is on the Fritz. Um, this thing's malfunctioning. This is this is crazy, Bill. Your will says you leave everything to me? I mean, weird, but I, I guess I'll take it. I don't uh, think it's malfunctioning. <laughs> it's malfunctioning in a way that I accept, Will. I think you doctored the will after his death. No, I think it's I think it's actually functioning perfectly now that I read it for myself yeah well now that i read it i can see you just scribbled out a bunch of shit and wrote kit get it all okay it's <laughs> not good kit is not good will is not good kit get it all thanks also to newt once again one of harry potter's lesser known servants uh newt could not do much it could do newt. I think Harry sent it on one mission and it was eaten by a crow. Almost instantly. And not a magic crow, just a normal crow that happened to be at Hogwarts. So just, you know, a little piece of advice. If you're going to pick your, your wizarding animal pal, maybe don't go for the newt. Did you know I had a newt growing up, a pet newt? Did you really? Yeah. And, I, then, <laughs> and then it died and my mom said it ran away. <laughs> Which is pretty up because it lived in a fish tank underwater <laughs> so it pretty much couldn't run away. <laughs> it ran away that's like saying someone's goldfish ran away <laughs> when it died my gullible ass <laughs> believed every word thanks also to jillian jacobo jillian jacobo lives on a rowboat uh not much more to it than that i gotta say is um, it a big boat like no, a houseboat no, like, no like a rowboat like a tiny how do you live on that? Just in a sleeping bag? You just pull on a hoodie and hope for the best when it starts raining. All right. When was the last time you saw Jilly? Because <laughs> I think we might need to call search and rescue. <laughs> Thanks to Kanoa Valmonte. Kanoa lives in a canoe. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Even smaller than a rowboat. Uh, sure. We have not seen this individual in years. Uh, the last, last time. Scene. <laughs> sure. Was somewhere around the Niagara Falls region. <laughs> Up shit's creek. <laughs> Specifically. Uh, but hey, they're paying Newt a lot in rent. So I, I got to hand it to them. They've got it figured out. Yeah, there's no rent in the afterlife, bud. So <laughs> thank you to Matthew Bell. Matthew Bell has a few bells. Huh? For different things. You know, just okay. a few bells. To call a servant. ding a ling a ling To call for dinner. ling a ling Wow, this guy's rich. The war bell. Whoa. Ring-a-ding. Gong. Gong. Okay, that's Gong. not a bell. Let the games begin. <laughs> that's sort of... It's Sauron. <laughs> it's Sauron. Matthew is Sauron. It's kind of a different vibe. <laughs> Gong. <laughs> it's a big bell. Thanks to Ryan Jenkins. Ryan Jenkins got 10 kids. 10 kids. 10 kids. <laughs> yeah, brother, it's a handful to say Jeez. the least. Uh, cheaper by the dozen? Nope. Try ten. <laughs> it's a few less, sure, but it's still a f***ing nightmare. <laughs> it's not cheap. It's definitely not cheap. 
Thanks lastly, but not leastly today, to Ryan Tedgeter. If it isn't spying Ryan, <gasps> aka here comes the milkman, oh, ready for no. a fresh delivery. There's that's no way. that's right, Ryan. I can see you trying to sell milk, but just underneath that shirt is a little wire and a mic poking out. So watch your step, buddy. And he's so nervous. He's shaking. The balls are <laughs> clinking together. Hey, 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 Rory, what can I get you? I know about you, Ryan, and your little ways. Ah. Uh, but honestly, though, I need a lot of milk. I need a <laughs> so whole I ton. Take it so all. I do need it. So thank you for the milk, Ryan. And thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. Arigato. We are so grateful for your support. Honestly, it means that we can keep not only just making this show, but keep making this show uh, better, growing, um, getting better equipment, better studio spaces, hiring more people to work on the show. Uh, It really means so much to us. And I hope that you're enjoying all of your bonus content that you're receiving every month. So thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. We hope you had an absolute blast. And of course, we will be back next week with a brand new Paranormal Tale! Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.